Let us pray. Keep your church, O Lord, by your perpetual mercy, and because without you the frailty of our nature causes us to fall. Keep us from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable for our salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the ninth chapter of Proverbs. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her young men or young women to call from the highest places of the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and live, and walk in the way of insight. The word of the Lord. A reading from the book of Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. The word of the Lord. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. I'm sorry. And leaving the crowd, he took them with him in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm rose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? And he woke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let's pray. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. You um, are the head of the church. You're Lord of all. May we have eyes to see you, to know your presence with us. We pray that you would help us um, in all that we do, and especially... uh, now as we reflect and listen and 
learn from your word. And we ask all this in your powerful and holy name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Okay, for those of you that weren't here at uh, the beginning, first you missed the wave. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, I realize there's some weird parking around here. So anyway, but again, welcome and thank you for uh, being with us. Uh, my name is Christian. Uh, for any of you who haven't met, I'm just so thankful you could be a part of our uh, worship service uh, uh, today. Um, uh, as many of you know, last year we had a couple of uh, services um, uh, here and I uh, just loved uh, being here. And so we're excited that um, this Sunday was open and that we could um, gather. So again, thank you so much uh, for um, being with us. Um, so I won't ask for a show of hands, um, but I'm guessing probably all of us, um, or at least most of us at some point in our life, have experienced a storm of some sort, maybe a snowstorm, a windstorm, a thunderstorm. And I'm guessing probably that many of us, if we went around, would have probably even some storm story maybe that we could share. Maybe a time when we were out camping um, or hiking and we got caught in a, a storm, or maybe we were on a boat um, like the disciples um, on this storm that they got caught in. Uh, maybe we were in our cars and had to pull over, or maybe you were in one of those storms where you couldn't pull over and you had to just keep driving, and as terrifying as that can be. But again, I think we've all probably had storm stories, probably storm stories even from being in our own home and wondering, is that tree outside of my house going to fall in? But have you ever, after going through a storm, thought to yourself, ah, now I'm done with storms? Like that storm was, was pretty intense and that storm was, you know, hard to get through. Thankfully, I'm pretty sure that's my last storm, that I'm just finished with storms. Okay, so what about figurative storms? Probably just as we've all experienced literal storms in our lives, I'm sure we've experienced figurative storms at times, right? Maybe that was a relationship storm where you were dealing with some conflict. Maybe a relationship was coming to an end. Uh, maybe um, there was, again, some sort of ongoing um, tension with someone that you love and in a relationship with, and it was a storm. It was consuming your thoughts. Maybe you've been through a vocational storm with your job, maybe a loss of a job, maybe looking for a job, maybe a hard job to get through, and it felt like you were in the midst of a storm. Maybe it's a health storm that you are fighting um, or are fighting some sort of illness or physical um, uh, limitation, and you just feel that storm. And how many of you, when you've gone through maybe a storm like that, that you've thought, ah, now I'm done with storms, right? Now I will never have a vocational issue again. Um, I've got a new job. It seems great. Now I'm done, right? Or I got through that health crisis and I'm doing better. Now I'm done. If you're like me, right, you expect literal storms, but yet you find yourself continually surprised by figurative storms. And in one sense, this, this doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, I think part of the reason we call difficulties in life storms is probably because we understand that's part of life, right? Just as, you know, a, a literal storm is part of life, a figurative storm is part of life, right? I don't think many of us look at, you know, the weather app and we see a storm coming and we think, why, God, why, why is there a storm coming? Maybe April when it's a snowstorm coming in Minnesota, we feel that way. But in general, right, we expect storms. We say, yeah, that's, that's life, that's weather. And yet how often when we experience, again, a figurative storm, do we find ourselves saying, why, Lord? Why, why is this? Everything was going so well. Why am I now, once again, in the middle of a storm? Right? And again, in one sense, this makes no sense, right? We shouldn't be surprised by storms. In another way, though, it makes a lot of sense. Because actually, when we are in the midst of, again, a relational storm, a physical storm, a vocational storm, we are saying, 
this is not the way it should be. This, this isn't right. I, I know it's to be expected. I know it's normal. And yet there's something deep within us that says, this isn't right. I shouldn't have to experience this. And that's actually correct thinking. We're actually tapping into the, the, the reality of being made in the image of God, being made for relationship for, with God, being made to be part of a world where there aren't storms. Right? Sin and death have broken into this world. And they have brought storms. Just so you know, I'm just going to keep talking. I can't pause for uh, planes. So I'll just get louder and louder. I'm sorry. So, um, you know, God created us to, to be part of, a, a, of an unfallen world. And when we experience the fall, there's a sense in which we rightly are saying, this is not the way it should be. But I want to think today about the reality that Jesus is with us in the storm. Right? And consider, right, this um, familiar and powerful story of Jesus there in the boat in the middle of the storm with the disciples. And what I so much appreciate about um, this, this passage and this moment in Jesus' life and ministry is that the way we can relate so much to the disciples, right? I mean, even when I say that Jesus is with you in the storm, maybe you've heard that before when you've been going through a storm, someone has said, the Lord is with you, right? God is with you in the storm. And maybe you felt a little bit like the disciples, why is he sleeping? You know, why doesn't he get up, right? Maybe when you hear those words of the disciples, right? Don't you care that we are perishing? Maybe you've said that before to the Lord in the middle of a storm. Supposedly you're with me, but don't you care that I'm perishing in the storm? Wake up. What does it mean that the Lord is with us? What does the Lord bring to us in the middle of a storm? Well, if we look at our, our passage uh, you got to appreciate that the, it's the Lord's idea, right? Let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took, with, they took him with him in the boat just as he was. I don't know for sure what that just as he was means. I wonder if it's acknowledging he was tired. He was worn out. He'd been doing ministry, intensive ministry of prayer and of healing and of teaching. And he came in the boat with him just as he was. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. Now, we know from geography and from we can visit the Sea of Galilee and look at it, right? We know that windstorms are not unusual there, that that's very common. I've even heard stories of cars parked near the Sea of Galilee being damaged by windstorms that come through. So we know that this wasn't unusual. We also know that at least some of those disciples were used to being in boats, that so they were fishermen, right? And they no doubt they had experienced storms before on the Sea of Galilee. And so we can say, this must have been a bad storm, right? It wasn't a surprise, right? They should have expected it. But it must have been very serious, right? If they are saying to Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? It must have been a very bad storm. And what do we do, right, with the fact that Jesus is asleep? Asleep on a cushion in the stern. Well, first of all, we just have to say, well, it tells us that Jesus is asleep because Jesus was asleep at that moment, right? This is, Mark wrote his gospel based on eyewitness accounts. He talked to the disciples, right? You see those details in there. There are other boats. Like, why do we care about that? Well, that's because that's what's the reality, right? Mark's telling you the story that he was told. He's passing that on from the eyewitnesses of those who were there. And so he knows Jesus was asleep on a cushion, right? And so again, we see the humanity of Jesus. He was tired. Jesus was fully human. He he fell asleep because he was worn out. And this is what really happened. But again, I think we can also ask, what does that communicate to us that Jesus was asleep in the middle of the storm? And does not communicate a lack of care. We can be very clear on that because, of course, when Jesus awakes, he cares for the disciples. Right? But again, sometimes maybe we read the story and we feel like, yeah, that makes sense because I feel like Jesus is asleep. 
The message here is not when you call on Jesus, when you call on the risen Lord who has defeated sin and death, that you need to be concerned that maybe he's asleep, right? We do not have to be worried about that. He hears our prayers. He intercedes for us. But I think that picture of Jesus asleep there, right, is a picture that he was not afraid. They were afraid, but Jesus was not afraid. There are moments when I'm in the midst of a storm where I try to come to this, this passage and imagine myself down in the stern with Jesus and just seeing him sleeping there and think, yeah, that's right. He's not panicked. I'm panicked right now, but Jesus is not afraid, right? He's so relaxed, he's asleep. Again, it's not a picture of apathy. It's not a picture of not caring. It's actually a picture of peace. And so the first thing we can say is, what does it matter that Jesus is in the boat with us? Well, the one in the boat with us is not afraid. Right? He's not anxious. Right? Now, that doesn't mean, again, that Jesus is unfeeling or uncaring or unemotional. When we read the Gospels, right, we see Jesus being troubled in his soul. We see him uh, experiencing great sorrow. We see him crying at the tomb of a friend who had died, who he's going to raise back to life, and he's still crying in the face of death. We see Jesus angry and upset, right? And so when we are angry, upset at injustice, when we are angry and upset at the way things have gone, when we're angry, upset at, fair, at storms, right, we can say, ah, oh, Jesus knows this anger. Jesus is probably angry with me, right? If I'm angry at injustice, he's angry at injustice, right? A righteous, holy anger. If I'm grieving, Jesus who loves me is grieving with me. He knows grief. He grieves in the face of death, even though he has defeated death. He knows death is an enemy. He grieves with us, but he's not afraid with us. We're afraid, right? We don't say, oh, well, I'm afraid, but at least Jesus is afraid with me. No, it's not the case. I have a friend who uh, recently was sharing a story with me that there was a time um, in his house where him and his wife, it was, it was pretty late at night, both could swear that they heard someone walking around in their basement. They were sure of it. So they called the police, um, and they live in a pretty sleepy, kind of low-crime area. And when the police showed up and they walked down into the basement with the police, they said those police were terrified. <laughs> they said we were looking at them, we were thinking, oh, get the police here. Then we were realizing they're scared. I mean, they have guns, right? So they're less scared than we would be. But still, going into a dark basement, it's just scary no matter what, right? That didn't necessarily help them feel better. It was nice to know we're not crazy for being scared right now. Right? But again, when Jesus is with us, and he is always with us, he is with us as one who dispels fear. He's with us as one who comes against fear. And so Jesus, being asleep in that boat, reminds us he's not afraid. And secondly, we can say there's a reason he's not afraid. He's not afraid because he's greater than the storm. He's greater than the storm. Right? They, they wake him up. Right? They say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And what does he do? He says, okay, um, let's think here. You know, let's figure this out. Like, grab some supplies, grab some rope. We can get through this. Right? He doesn't say, well, let me get out my book of incantations and spells and see, like, do I have a spell for calming a storm? Let me see. Right? He doesn't even get up and say, Father, calm the storm. Now, that wouldn't be surprising. Jesus is constantly speaking to his Father and, and calling out to his Father in prayer. But what does he do? He gets up and he says, peace be still. He rebukes the wind and the sea, right? And notice, right? I mean, if he just, you know, you know, maybe we could say, well, maybe it was a coincidence, you know, maybe, he, you know, he just happened to say be still at the same time that the storm was coming to him. But notice it says it was perfectly calm. There was great calm, right? The wind could stop, but there would still be waves, right? Again, pay attention to these details, right? He actually rebukes the wind and the waves, right? Both stop, right? And, and what happens? What do the disciples feel? 
It says, verse 41, And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, again, maybe we read that and we're like, filled with great fear. Like, isn't the whole point of this that Jesus dispels fear, that he gets rid of fear, and yet we end this passage with them afraid? It's actually really interesting. It's very similar to the end of the Gospel of Mark. If you read the Gospel of Mark, the final words of the most reliable manuscripts we have of the Gospel of Mark tells us that the disciples were told that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he's defeated sin and death, and that they're afraid, right? And that's, again, the realism of this, right? This is an eyewitness account. We may be so familiar with the story that it's worth it to kind of sit back for a second and think, what would I feel if this person, right, that I've spent time with, that I've talked with, that I've ridden in a boat with, I've eaten meals with, who I've seen do miracles, right, amazing miracles, right? And so I know he's special. But what would it feel like to hear him correct, to rebuke the wind and the waves and for them to obey, right? I mean, again, if the story had told us and they, you know, had a big party, right, we'd probably say, like, really, like, wouldn't they be kind of freaked out, right? And they were. Right? But this fear that they're feeling at this moment, right, that I would say is, is sort of a, a theme we've had in Second Corinthians in this ser- series we've been doing at Church of the Cross, right? That's a holy fear. They're feeling a right awe. Right? This is not they're afraid of Jesus. Of course, they're not afraid of Jesus. They know Jesus loves them. He knows that he cares for them. He's just saved their lives and saying and rebuking the storm, this is a fear, right, that's reflected in that question. Who is this? How is this possible? How can we get our minds around this? Right, this is awesome. And so, again, Jesus is greater than the storm. Storms sometimes can feel personal. Sometimes they can feel impersonal, right? Sometimes we're in a storm that feels like, man, this storm is out to get me. Sometimes it may just feel like I'm just caught up in a storm beyond me. Right? But Jesus' love, Jesus' care is always personal. The one who is greater than the storm knows our name. He knows us and loves us. And he can rebuke the wind and the waves. But the final thing that we can say is why does it matter that Jesus is with us in the boat? Yes, he's greater than the storm. He is not afraid. And he wants to give us faith. But Jesus actually wants us to experience that holy awe, right? That, that good fear of who is this? How can this be possible? That's the faith that the Lord wants to give us. Right, he says to them in verse 40, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Right? Hard words, corrective words. Right? But again, Jesus is the teacher. Right? He's the rabbi. He wants them to understand. Right? You need to learn from this moment. You actually need to ask yourself, why were we afraid? Where is our faith? Now, I think actually the answer that the disciples could have given to Jesus, and I wonder actually if this is sort of the answer he's wanting, is that they could have said, well, we... We still have a little faith. We, we, we do have some faith. I mean, we did wake you up, right? I mean, we could have just said, oh, we're going to die. Let him sleep, right? You know, he, he doesn't need this, this trouble, right? We're all going to die anyway, right? We see sort of a smidgen of faith, right? A, a, a glimmer of faith in the fact that they woke him up. Now they woke him up insulting him. Not a great way to wake up, right? Don't, don't you care, you know? Why are you so cold? Why, why aren't you worried about this? But still, they woke up Jesus, and I think in the midst of storms, sometimes all we have is a glimmer of faith, right? All we have is enough faith to say, Jesus, help, or actually maybe to complain to the Lord, right? Why am I going through this storm? Don't you care? And the Lord builds on even those glimmers of faith, right? On those little bits of faith. He builds on them. He responds to those cries, right? He doesn't get up and rebuke them, although he does rebuke them after he rebukes the wind and the waves, right? But first he rebukes the wind and the waves, 
And then he has them, invites them to consider, right? Where is your faith? And of course, asking that question, in this moment, he's giving them faith. He's building them up in faith. Now, I realize we may say, well, I'll take maybe no storms rather than faith, right? I mean, if, if the God works in storms to give me faith, well, maybe it's just better not to have the storms and have very little faith. Right? But again, we only feel that way because we miss out on how important faith is, right? And faith, through faith, right? Through faith in Jesus, we have eternal life. Through faith and trust in him, right? We have real, lasting hope. Through faith in him, as, as Andrew just said, right? We run to the Lord, right? We run to the gates of righteousness, Faith is an incredible gift. It's a lasting gift. It's an eternal gift, a gift that leads to eternity. And so, yes, he wants to give us that gift. He wants to give us faith. And he does, right, through this moment, right, through, through calming the storm and allowing the disciples to see that. But perhaps we read that and we say, well, that's great for them, but, man, I've had storms that have gone a lot longer than this moment. I've had storms, right, where I've called again and again, Lord, don't you care that I'm perishing? And it felt like again and again there was no answer. And there's no easy explanation for that other than to say, right, even in those moments, right, the Lord can give us faith and grow us in faith. Matter of fact, many testimonies, and I know many of you have testimonies like this, are actually in those long-lasting storms. The people can come out of them with even a stronger faith in Jesus as they continue to cry out to him, as they continue to remember, he's in the stern with me. He's not afraid. Even though he hasn't calmed the storm yet, he is bigger than the storm. I am always amazed, again, at the testimonies I hear, bearing witness to how God has worked in storms. Right? I read one of those um, this week. Um, Cheryl uh, shared with me a, a testimony um, that uh, her husband, uh, John, who died 11 years ago, um, wrote up. And it just happened to be, I was already planning to preach on this passage, his testimony, basically the heart of the testimony is how God grew him through storms. And he shares sort of his life story and storm after storm and how the God used that actually to build him up in faith. And it was so encouraging to, to read that testimony. And again, I, I knew John before he died and it was such a blessing to our church and to so many in our church community. And yet, even as I read that testimony and celebrated how God used those storms to build him up, I was aware of the storm of his death. I'm reading this, I'm thinking, praise God for his work. And then I'm thinking, but John's not with us anymore, right? And that's a sadness. And so even as we can acknowledge God works in storms, we can also say, but yet we don't understand storms, right? We, we live in both, right? They come, they shouldn't surprise us, but we shouldn't be okay with storms, we can continue to say, no, this is not the way it can be. God is a redeeming God who works in the midst of them. But we can also hold on to the fact that the time is coming when the storms will end completely. And so it's not a lack of faith to cry out to Jesus, Jesus, please end the storm. And in the midst of the storm, we can hold on to Jesus in faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that no matter the storm, you are with us. We thank you, Lord, that you are greater than any storm. And Lord, I would pray today especially for those who are saying, I'm in the middle of a storm right now and I don't know when it would end, that they would know in new ways, Lord, your presence with them, that they would know that in their fear, they are with one who is without fear, that they would know a hope and that they would know a perseverance. And Lord, may you grow them in faith. May you grow us in faith, Lord, we ask. Faith in you, trust in you. May we lean evermore on you. We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.